Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. And this is in the message version. And it says, How blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and taking us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, look at this, before he ever started to think about the earth, he had us in his mind and he settled on us as the focus of his love. Yo, that's huge, bro. The creator of heaven and earth focused on us all of his love to be made whole and holy by his love long long ago he decided to adopt us into his family through jesus christ what pleasure he took in planning this he wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son you're a big deal to god you're a big deal to god you're a big deal to god Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea or this title if you're taking notes. Get your ram right. If I would say it in a different way, I'd say get your ram right. Get your ram right. Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you. Speak to us. In the allotted time, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and the minds. It takes but a moment for a person to have an encounter with you, to see a revelation, Lord God. And Father, I pray today that they would see it. They're going to hear it. And I know, Father God, that you're going to open up their ears and you're going to eliminate distractions. But Father, I pray that they would see it today. And Father, let it be a moment that changes their life forever, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. And amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus all over this place. Come on, greater church, put your hands together. If you're excited today, get your RAM right. RAM, a random access memory random access memory the greatest patience tester the greatest patient developer in life outside of children i believe is technology yeah yo technology will teach you some patience uh, some of y'all may or may not relate to me um i i, I guess I'm a little young, you know what I mean? Just a little bit. I go back um, to the days when, when I remember beating my cousin at Tech Mobile. Y'all know about Tech Mobile. And I'm playing Nintendo and I'm up by 14 points and there's about a minute and a half. And my cousin is the one that he sells out or he talks really big. Ha ha, I just scored on you. Ha ha, you suck. He's the one that's always yelling. You ever play somebody like that? Play some type of game with somebody and they're just like, ha ha, you suck. I'm the best. Yeah, Ramses, you and Levi do that all the time. <laughs> it's the word dog water. And I mean, they just say all the words, but here it is. I'm whooping his butt and the game's about to end and I'm excited. And if you ever had a Nintendo, there comes this moment, it's the devil for sure, that all of a sudden my quarterback is about to throw the ball and it's like, and it glitches. And you got to turn the game off and you got to blow it and you got to get mad because you're like, yo, I just, I'm old enough to remember when I was listening to music and I mean, it used to be popping and all of a sudden it was like, you know, and it's like, yo, it's good. And I believe, I, I believe, I, I believe, I, I believe, I, y'all remember, y'all remember CDs? It's like these little, these little like glass looking records. things. It's crazy. It's insane. Or yeah. records. Oh my God. Really the records, bro. Uh, the tape cassettes just used to pop. 
Y'all, I don't know if y'all remember that, but it's the worst when you're listening to a song and you know what I'm saying? I'm like, my mind's telling me, stop. And I'm trying to, you know, nobody, baby. (laughs) And I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to like sing to my wife and all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. They don't know that. They don't know what a CD skipping looks like. They don't know what it's like to experience when life, you only have 150 minutes on your cell phone, bro. And you're talking to somebody and it's like, and baby, I love, hello? Hello? And the, company has cut your minutes off because you got to wait till seven o'clock for nights and weekends yeah i'm nights and weekend oh y'all don't know about some of the younger people are like what (laughs) what we didn't even have text messages bro but there's something about this moment that (laughs) i i I don't know if you you have a small task on a computer and when you're about to do this small task on a computer you got way too much information some of y'all may relate a little bit more to this y'all remember when y'all used to have to take pictures I remember when you didn't have no memory on your phone. Let me delete some. And you had to go back and you're like, dang, let me erase these pictures. I don't even like you anymore. Let me, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that picture is ugly. Why did I even have that picture? And then to take one picture, you had to erase seven pictures. Yo, that don't even make sense. I mean, math. How do you erase seven pictures? And they said, no memories for picture. What? There's nothing worse and nothing will test your patience more than technology when it's not working correctly. It's crazy because as I live through life, I have not found more of an evidence of who the devil is than a slow computer. Oh. Maybe the kids, but yeah. No, the de- <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to your soul, this idea of soul, when I say it, you're like soul music, soul food or selling your soul. Yeah. For some people, I, the soul is this thing that when Wiley Coyote, y'all remember him not with the Roadrunner? Jesus, or one of your cartoons, they would get in an accident, a rock would fall over them. And then remember all of a sudden there was like this transparent little spirit that would come out of them and then would talk to them. Oh my God, you're so dumb. And then the spirit would come right back to them. That's what we relegate the soul to. We're like, oh, that's the soul. It's this thing inside of you that talks to you. But what we don't understand is that your soul is really your central processing unit. That your soul is this thing that's inside of you that it affects everything. The way you think, your emotions, how you act, even the way that you look at God is affected by this central processing unit and what happens is with a computer when you have this random access memory a computer tries to uh, grab something to be able to process something else and if it can't grab that because there's too much clutter all of a sudden it gets stuck and a task that will take you two minutes will all of a sudden take you months when somebody says something to you because your ram is off all of a sudden you should have processed that as in Yo, they just asked you a simple question, but you just took their statement and all of a sudden, all day long, you're just thinking about that thing and you can't process. You're like, yo, why did they say that to me? And in reality, it's the smallest little thing. As a pastor, one of the things that I, I, you know, I don't like a lot in church, but I love it because I've learned to get better with is when somebody says, hey, Pastor Chino, can I talk to you and your wife after church? I'm like, oh, crap. I did something wrong. I said something. They're leaving the church. Like something happened. I did something stupid. And then they come to you and they're like, hey, I just want to let you know, man, that I love how much weight you're losing, Pastor Lydia. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I've already set up 15 stories in my head. Yeah. I had a plan. I was going to come back. No, but you this and this. You. And I sat there and I'm like, and it's because the ram is off. Because of past experiences, my, my ram is broken. So now I'm like, I can't process this. But if you get your ram right, You'll be able to walk out of seasons instead of staying stuck for a day and having that cloud around your head where you're frustrated, mad, depressed. All of a sudden, you can process a moment quick and be able to walk into another moment. Yeah, that's right, Chino, the RAM. It's the operating system of our lives. And um, 
when our, our soul is healthy, it affects everything, right? So when it's healthy, we can have the best life. We're joyful. We can relate with each other as married people. We can relate with each other as friends and family. And everything is good. But when our soul is unhealthy, just like he explained, someone comes and says something to you, oh my God, his mind is going crazy. What did I do wrong? What is this? And all this stuff, and it just, it just begins to affect every area of our life. So in this soul care series, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go through what is a healthy soul. And when you have a healthy soul, there are seven components, seven key areas that we need to look at. And, and we feel that these are very important areas. It's all based on a book called Soul Care by Rob Reimer. If you want to follow along, go get the book, read it, read each part as we go through. At the end, we're going to encourage you to journal and do some things because we feel that this book and this, this series can be life-changing. It was life-changing for us when we first read it. We are not the same people that we were when we read, after we read this book. It's been two years, two and a half years now, and we've been on a journey, and, it's, and we Several can... Several of us in the church, Several Several of us, us in the church yeah, as well. as well. And it's because of this. It's because we needed to get our souls healthy. So to have a healthy soul, the seven key components. The first one is identity. We're going to talk deep into the identity today. But I'm going to just briefly go over the, the rest of them as well. The second one is repentance. There are things in our lives we have to go before God and repent. And maybe even repent to other people and ask for forgiveness for. The third thing is um, breaking family sin patterns. Okay, sometimes you're born into a family that have certain patterns and their patterns of sin are just generational things that we fall into. It's not your problem, not you, you were just born into it. And it's something that, hey, that's just what our family does. Some of them are good things. Some of them are bad things. We need to break the bad things. And then um, number four, forgiving others. Okay, we all need to forgive someone. There might be something that happens to us as children or, or even as adults, things that we've gone through that we need to forgive others about. And it's hard. And we'll go through that. But remember that forgiveness isn't for the other people, to give them a pass. The forgiveness is for ourselves so we can have healthy souls. Number five is healing hurts. We all have wounds. We all have hurts. We all have things that we've gone through. And when we, when we get those things healed and those wounds closed up, we can live more healthy and better lives. Number six would be overcoming our fears. We'll get into those things. Everybody has fear. Fear is not from God. So if you're fearful of something, then it's not from God. And we just got to identify those things and figure those things out. And then number seven is breaking demonic strongholds. Everyone has that, that it, it, he is the ruler of this world. And, and there are demonic strongholds that come over us, and there are reasons why that happens. We're going to get into that as well. But today, like I said, we're going to go over identity. Identity is the foundation. Absolutely. Uh, when we think about our identity, it's who we are, right? It's the very foundation of who we are, what we believe. The, way, and the things that we believe about ourselves are actually the way that we act. If you, you notice some people, you ever been to school and you had like, yo, I've said this before and I always cringe when I say it, but you know, it's church. We, we're very transparent. Yeah. You knew that ugly girl in school? Oh, oh, that ugly boy in school? Like, yo, he was ugly, like in the face. He just, he was aki looking. It's just weird. You know what I mean? But they always dressed really good and they had like a swag about them that you're like, you ugly, but you kind of cute. It's like, I don't, there's something that I don't understand. And you just, yeah. their, their way of <laughs> acting. And then that's who they were. The way that they looked, they could care less about what you thought. They had a way of acting, a way of being that it was like, yo, 
this is my identity. I'm not what you think I am. But then you have people that are the opposite. The people that were very strong, very energetic, very intelligent, but they thought they were the dumbest people. And they thought they made every mistake and they were so scared to take risks because your identity is really how you lead in life and what you do. And if you have a broken identity, if your RAM is off, if your CPU is broken, you'll find yourself living and acting in broken ways. Our identity is usually formed in our formative years. When we are young, our identity, that's how it starts getting shaped. Believe it or not, the way that your parents spoke to you, your grandparents spoke to you, the words and the terms and the phrases that people would say to you, those were the things that you start internalizing. And being young, you don't have, a, you don't have the intelligent uh, uh, IQ to be able to process certain things. So when people said something to you, like I remember Abby was telling me, Daddy, I need you to be honest with me. Tell me the truth. If I swallow a gum, is there going to be a gum tree in my belly? <laughs> she, she legit asked me that. Because she believes it. And then when people start saying something like, you're always going to be stupid. You're always going to be just like your dad. You're always going to make the same mistakes. You're never going to change. You're never going to amount to nothing. The things that are served to you around the dinner table, though they fill your belly up when you eat them, the things that are said around the dinner table, they actually begin to make your life grow. And now all of a sudden you start doing some of the things and you start acting some of the ways. My wife mentioned it a minute ago. Everybody, my grandfather's grandfather and all the way down the line, everybody has been in divorce. And now, hey, we all get divorced. We, you know, we cheat on everybody. Turn up. And we cheat on everybody. We, 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 that's just our family. You know what I'm saying? I got baby mamas everywhere. That's just who we are. And you can, in your life as a kid, begin to grow up and you're like, yo, that's just who I am. So I'm not supposed to be faithful to one person. This is what I need to live life. I've shared the story with several of you for so long. I grew up in a neighborhood where my mom worked tons of hours and man, she tried everything that she could. And in the neighborhood that I grew up, everybody was a gang member. And what that turned out to me, I was a gang member. And I ended up living a life where I have bullet holes in my body. I ended up living in a life where I went to prison for five years. I made some decisions and I made some choices and I identified with a certain demographic, a certain group, thinking that this is what I needed to be. And it wasn't until God came into my life and explained my identity. Just because you did that doesn't mean that you are that. And it was in a moment where I had clarity. I didn't just hear Jesus, but I saw him that I was able to change. And now my life, my life, everything that I do is to be able to go back and reach into those people that look just like me or that didn't to be able to bring them into the clarity that, yo, God has more for you. You're not what you've done. You're not your past. You're not the mistake that you made, but that you can actually have a wife, own a home, have children, be able to have a future and a legacy that you don't have to stay there though I made those mistakes I am not that mistake but see identity will form that around you and all of a sudden now you start walking in an identity that you were never created for what happens is that when you start forming that and as a young person you don't know really how to because everybody looks like this I gotta look like this and then you start putting up walls well, I can't let nobody tell me I don't look like this. I can't let anybody tell me I don't believe this. I have to put these walls up because this is who I am and I don't want nobody to hurt me and I got this wall up and that's it. This is who I am. And then you start believing lies. And not only do you start believing lies, but you start living the lies. Yeah. And there's three lies that I think that everybody in this room, um, if I'm honest, I have, all three of them were the ones that I struggled with. But these three lies are the core lies that we believe that when we believe these lies, we begin to act them out. And I guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, too many people that we spoke to, every one of these, at one of them, you'll find yourself. The first one, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The first one is that we believe the people-pleasing lie. Whatever you believe, you give power to, right? 
You believe in Santa Claus. You're putting out cookies and water and milk and all of this. My entire life, I believed in witchcraft. That's what my mama taught me. We were living, we were, they, there were santeros and they did brujeria and voodoo. And this is what I believed in. So that I wouldn't get shot on the street. So that I wouldn't lose money. So that I wouldn't do all these things. I had to act and I would put food in corners. And I would do all of these because I believed that. I believed those things. So my actions started to follow. So whatever you believe in, that's what you give power to. And when you give power to a people-pleasing lie, all of a sudden now you feel like you need everybody to like you. You need everybody to be good with you. At work, you're trying to serve everybody and you're trying to do everything. Everybody's problem becomes your problem. All of a sudden, when somebody goes through something, you feel like, yo, I got to fix it. It's my fault. It's not your fault, bro. You have your own life. You're sitting there worrying about the next man. You, we, we begin to start pleasing people and our actions start to, yo, I can, I can tell you story after story in my own personal life. Where people have come with their problems. And as a pastor, yo, that's my job. Bring your problems. Let's go. We can do it. But I've learned not to internalize that problem and make it my own. I've learned how to give you advice whether you listen to it or not. It doesn't matter. If you don't listen to it, it doesn't mean that you hate me. It doesn't mean that I'm an idiot. It doesn't mean that I didn't give you right advice. It just means you didn't feel like doing it. But see, in times past, I thought if they don't do what I asked them to do, then they don't like me. Then they hate me. And my idea or my identity was circled around this people-pleasing lie. Like if I had to have people like me, for me and them to be good. And then I started making up ideas in my head. When in reality, that's not the way this thing works. There's one person that I have to make sure that loves me. That's Jesus. Then that's this woman. And then them the little nappy head kids in the back. That's it. <laughs> Yo, if they love me, for the rest of them, I love y'all. Y'all love me. Let's go on a journey. I'm going to love y'all as hard and harder than you love me. But I, I know my order now. But there were times that that order was completely, it, it even went to another side. It went to the side, not only that I didn't, that I cared about what everybody thought and I was trying to please everybody, but then it jumped to another side. And then I got to the place where I was like, well, I don't care what nobody says. I'm, I'm wearing what I want to do. I'm listening to what I, I could care less what anybody thinks. Like, I don't care what you think. Yeah, but that's an ugly place to be in because that's still unhealthy. Because yeah, you're supposed to care what people think. Like, yo, that, that's a good place to be that you actually honor somebody else's emotions. Well, I don't care if you get your feelings hurt. You ever met that person that just says stuff out of their mouth? I mean, they're so rude sometimes and they're like, I just tell it how it is. I'm just being real. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you, you, you being rude. You need a two-piece and a biscuit. I bet you won't do that no more. But it, but it, but it's it's but you see how unhealthy it is. I'm worried about everybody, and I'm trying to make sure that everybody's good. But then on the other side, I'm like, man, I don't need nobody. You're a lie. You you do need somebody. You, you don't want to be single your life. Yeah. He broke your heart. That doesn't mean everybody else is gonna break your heart. She did that to you. Not everybody else. But when you believe this people pleasing lie, man, it's always gonna bring you in more and more and more debt. Yeah. And the second lie we want to talk about is the lie of performance. This is, this is a big one because what we do is what we put our value in, what we put our worth in is what we can do, what we, how we can perform, how we acted, how we did certain things. Um, did we get good grades or did we not? Did I do a really good job speaking up here or did I not? And then we put all the value of love and worth and are we good enough based on that? So as soon as someone comes, you 10 people can come and tell us, hey, you did a great job speaking. That one person said, hey, I, I didn't like the way you looked when you said that because I felt bad about it. All of a sudden inside, oh, my God, I didn't speak good. I didn't do a good job. I didn't do it. And all of a sudden, I'm never doing this again because my value is placed in the performance. 
And God is asking us to not put our value in the performance. He's asking us to figure out what the value is in him and our identity. And our identity is in Christ. And we'll, we'll get deeper into that in a minute. But in church sometimes, and I'm just going to say because I grew up in church. So he was talking about his childhood and things like that. And church just can get a little complicated because when you go to church, if you're a good little girl or if you're an adult and you serve well and you give well and you're there and you show up and you're well behaved and you don't have all these issues outside of that, you're a good person, right? But as soon as, as, soon as maybe you start failing in some areas, all of a sudden you feel this pressure. All this pressure, oh, well, I'm not a good enough Christian. I don't serve very well. I don't show up. And, and let me apologize because there are pastors out there who have made you feel bad because of that and gotten down on you as, a, as, an, as an authority and has yelled at you about that. But God says something different. It's not about your performance. It's about how you think of yourself. Where are you finding your identity in? Is your identity and your worth and your love that you feel in Christ Jesus? Do you feel sometimes discouraged or, or, or even maybe depressed when you get a little criticized about something? You might be believing the lie of performance. You might just be believing that. It's, so so here's, here's the thing. The good news is God doesn't care. You can be a perfectionist. He's going to love you if you're a perfectionist. But guess what? He's going to love you if it just didn't turn out that perfect as well. The love does not change. And that's where we need to find ourselves. We need to find ourselves where it doesn't matter now, I want you to strive, and we're going to push you towards excellence, and we're going to ask you to do things, and we're going to ask you to step up and serve. But if you mess up a little bit, I'm still going to love you, and God is still going to love you. That's where it falls. Absolutely. The, the, the issue, is this where that goes, the issue of your yeah. value? The, yeah, the there, issue, all of it. Yeah, the, the issue of your value was settled so long ago. Um, when we began this, this chapter, we, we started reading from Ephesians um, yes. chapter 3. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and, and God said, and Jesus Christ, he says, um, God, the father of our master Jesus Christ, who takes us to high places of blessing in him. And then listen what it says. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy in his love. Here it is. Before you took a breath, God was like, I'm proud of you. That word... Whenever I, there's songs that I hear it. And for me, I didn't have a dad. So I didn't, I never heard that word, I'm proud of you. It never hit. And I remember listening to a worship song and it was like, he was singing as if he was God. And God said, I'm proud of you. And that word rocked me because I never heard it before coming from anybody. You're, you're proud of me? Like I did a good job? Yo, before you were born, God was proud of you. He had a, you're good, bro. You're, I love you. Like we're, we're good. So here it is. The issue of my value, what I'm worth, my worth, my identity, it was already settled long ago. But I made some dumb mistakes and I've done some really stupid things, not only to hurt God, but to hurt people around me. I made some issues. So there got to be an issue between me and God because as much love as he can, I repaid him with two fingers that he didn't deserve. But here's the crazy part about it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, meaning that at the cross of Jesus Christ, he didn't die for you. He died as you. You should have been on that cross because it was your sin. Yeah. But yet Jesus dies. He takes all of your sins and in exchange, 1 Corinthians, 
Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God. There's an uneven exchange where God takes everything bad from you and he puts everything good from you. Meaning that the issue of your value, bro, you're worth Jesus to God. Yeah, that's great. Your value, you're worth his son. I don't know too many people that's worth Abigail, Ramses, or Levi. I don't know if I'm going to pay one of them for y'all. I love y'all so much. I'll hug y'all. Y'all could call me collect. I promise. I'll send you a little cash app, you know. But I don't know if I'm going to give you one of, I don't know if I could give you one of my kids. But God didn't even think twice about it. He said, you're worth my son. So here it is. My value to God who loves me. He's like, yo, we're good. I got you, man, I love you. I'm proud of you. So what the heck I'm going to look like sitting there worrying about what somebody else think about me. Right. Or, or performing a certain way. Or having to do it a Pleasing certain way. somebody or performing. Or, or this last one, control. Yeah. That, that's a biggie, ain't it? There's, there's the people-pleasing lie that we believe. Then there's the performance lie where we got to act for everybody. And then there's the control. The control is I've been hurt so much that I got to gotta put guardrails around me. I don't want people to hurt me. So what I do is that I'm going to put people in their right places. I'm gonna, you're only going to get this far. Don't ask me that question. I, you don't ask me if I watch porn. Like you, I don't know you. You can't ask me that. That's stuff that I'm. You don't I, know, and I'm gonna lie straight to your face. No, I don't know you because you put up a guard and you're not allowing anybody in to bring health to you because you have this security. I'm gonna control people around me. Mm, I don't. You can only get this far, and 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 then not only do you control people, people feel shamed. People feel manipulated. People feel like, you ever met that person that every time you go on vacation, they got the whole thing planned out, and when you don't want to go on that ride, they get mad. <laughs> I don't want to go on that ride. We're eating. Right now, it's time to eat. I don't want to eat. I want to go there. And then, and, and then they're all mad. You got to control it. We're honest. You okay, me. Okay. We're controlling everything. And you're like, you got to control your kids, though. Yes, the kids, the kids. You got to do it for the kids, okay? But what happens is that all of a sudden, if you don't go with that agenda, now it's what my wife says. Now you're depressed. Now you're mad. Now you're like, nobody loves me. Everybody yeah. thinks I'm stupid. This is, why did I do this? <laughs> Not only do you control people, but you also begin to control outcomes. So this is what it means. It means that there's certain things that can happen around you. And for it to happen in a place that makes you feel good and doesn't hurt you the way that they did. Now I'm going to control the way that this situation happens so that it comes back to me and it's good. And now you start manipulating. Now you start lying. Now you start creating narratives. Now you start controlling situations around you. And you start to feel like, I need to feel like I'm the big man. Now you start cheating when you're playing a video game. Mm. You're playing Monopoly. Y'all Monopoly cheaters. Because it's like, yo, I don't want to feel that pain that I felt before. I don't want to get hurt anymore. So now I got to control outcomes. I got to make sure that everything lands correctly the way that I want it to be. Yeah. So, so all this, now we can all sit here and we can probably feel like, oh my God, I'm such a bad person. I do all three of these things. But here's the, here's the great thing about it. There are four things that we can do that help us get out of those uh, things that we are, uh, are believing our lies. I'm sorry. I'm I, no, you're good. I want you close to me. I like you. But I was just tapping you to tell you, I believe all, I've believed and I'm doing oh. better. I'm not the best, but yeah. all three of those are oh, mine. Yeah, I've our done people pleasing, our performance, yeah. I control people, outcomes, I control God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey God, I need you to do this for me. And then the way that I want you to do this, God, is that I need you to speak. <laughs> Lord, take the wheel. Hey, bust two lefts right here. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy the Chick-fil-A. 
I, I think I've done all three of them, bro. Yeah. I've done all so, three of them, honestly. No one is exempt from these things, and we can all feel, but that's what the enemy wants, for us to feel shame, disappointment, frustration about our lives. But no, we want healthy souls. We want to get past these things. We want to learn and put some practical ideas into our minds on how to overcome some of these things. It has changed our life. It has really changed our life. So the first thing is, is what's most important is what Chino was kind of talking about is get the true foundation. What is the true foundation? That the issue of our value, the issue of our worth, the issue of our love has been settled at the cross. Jesus Christ died as us. It was worth it to God because he created us. He is, he is like the child that you have, you're holding right there, like that you would die for, right? You might not just die for everybody else in this room, but you're going to die for that child. He created us. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Okay, when we find ourselves going outside of our identity, I'm going to identify as a fish. Okay, hey, I can dress like a fish. I can go swimming like a fish. But guess what? When I go underwater, I got to come back up for air. Okay, right? Something goes off. I can't be perfect in that. But guess what? If I identify as a person, a follower of Jesus Christ, if I, I identify how God created me to be, my life, I can give off. I can breathe. I can walk. I can be joyful. I can be, be something on purpose, right? So we need to find the true identity. Our true identity is in Christ. Our worth, our value has been settled at the cross. That is the foundation. Yeah, so, so, so four ways that we can help you, right? We, we believe these lies. Some of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because y'all perfect and holy. It's just me and my wife. We the ones that are jacked up. Everybody else here is good. Y'all go to therapy. But um, people pleasing, performance, and control. Those are the lies that the enemy tries to give you, right? And what we're trying to do is give you some ways to combat that. So number one, true foundation. Yo, the issue of my value was settled at the cross. I love my wife. She, she, she bad, yo. I love her. Like, I love her, love her. But if my wife were not to love me back, there's something, I'll be broken, really broken. If she leaves me, I'm going with her, but I'd be broken. <laughs> but but something inside of me would finally get to this place where I collect myself and I'll be like, but Jesus loves me. Yeah. Like I know you, I know me and you are good. I, I'll figure this out and it hurts God, but I, I know me and God are good. That's, that's how deep this thing is. That if you can lay that as your foundation, that yo, wherever I walk, I'm strong because I know that God got me. So that, that's the first one. But then the second one is self-awareness the pathway to freedom for you to understand and for you to see these it's to be self-aware it's to identify these lies people pleasing performance control you know how do you identify them how do i know you got covid if i don't take a test if you don't take a test symptoms thank you dr alfonso <laughs> okay all right just got a little secular in here how do how do i find out that you got a cold your symptoms you got to cough you're sneezing like uh, uh, can't even do that junk anymore anymore like you can't if i the symptoms if you're believing a lie what are the symptoms well one of the symptoms is defensiveness yeah when somebody brings something to you and they tell you something your identity all of a sudden I'm, I'm, you're deflecting no that's not me i didn't do that you did that you should have been on time you asking me why i'm late you text me today and and you're finding a way to defend yourself never taking ownership at all like you're finding yourself always defending yourself and always fighting not only are you defensive but you can become petty now the things that you see in other people that bother you if you take a step back you're like oh i i do those same things and and it bothers you because you know that those are the areas that you're struggling with and now you're getting mad about the smallest things 
that's because you're believing a lie. If somebody's at work and they're not carrying their weight, it throws your entire day off because you're perfectionist because you believe the lie of performance. And you think that if you ain't perfect, then God doesn't love you, people don't love you. So now when you see somebody lazy, you can't stand them. Yeah. You're like, yo, you're so freaking lazy. Like, do the job. Like, I'm... Why is it that you feel like that? Because you're standing on a faulty foundation. You're not standing on the truth. You're believing a lie. And that pettiness is coming out and is creating that. And then the third one, men, we're the ones that deal with this a lot more. Women deal with this. But men, we're the ones that deal with this a lot more in different ways. It's compulsive behavior. When you're finding yourself on a faulty ground, all of a sudden when things happen, you begin to act out. Not only do you act out by punching a hole in the wall, by hitting yourself, not only do you act out by going out and getting in the car and smashing on the gas, but all of a sudden now you're watching pornography. You're stepping outside of your marriage. You're walking into spaces that you weren't created for because these compulsive behaviors start getting you. You're like, man, nobody loves me, man. You know, F this. I hate everybody. I'm gone. And then you jump out there. Yo, those are, those are lies and those are symptoms that are starting to show you. When those things happen in you, you get too defensive. You get petty. You get compulsive in your behavior. Look at yourself and say, Ooh, hold on, I'm off. There's something I'm off. So true foundation, I think yeah. self-awareness, identifying uh, the lies. Yeah, so once you identify them and you know the true foundation, you need to reposition yourself. And that comes with self-awareness. Like he said, self-awareness, it's the pathway to freedom. It's the way that you need to walk towards so that you can get freedom over these things. So when you find yourself getting defensive, petty, or you find yourself in compulsive behaviors, what do you need to do? You need to take that and you need to renew your mind. You need to go to the word and you need to realize that I am standing on a lie, some sort of lie, either people pleasing, performance or controlling lie. And you need to replace that and renew your mind with what the word of God says. The word of God says that my value has been settled at the cross. I am loved, I am cherished, I am worth something because Jesus Christ says, that's who I am. It doesn't matter if he doesn't love me anymore. It doesn't matter if I messed up. It doesn't matter if everything that I planned goes to hell. It doesn't matter because Jesus is our identity. He settled it at the cross. That's it. So you, so you know, you, you notice you're living these lies. You, you, you put yourself on a true foundation. My issue or my value was identified at the cross. I know that God guides me. Then you start looking around and you start identifying the lies. You start looking for the symptoms. Oh, I'm noticing these little areas. And then what Lid said, you become self-aware. When you become self-aware and you're like, oh, I'm acting a certain way. I'm being defensive, I'm being petty. I'm, I'm believing these lies. And then so you reposition yourself. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to allow for that to happen. That piece right there is huge. Because a lot of us, we live in that dark space where we're allowing all these lies for a long time. And it takes us, if somebody says one thing to us that we don't like, that goes against people pleasing or, or performance, it, you start thinking about it all day. Remember I talked about the beginning yeah. of the service? You're like, man, why did they say that? I'm so stupid, bro. I'm always going to do the same thing. That's why my dad said that I'm an idiot. That's why this happened. That's why this always happens to me. It always And you sit there. But all of a sudden now, what we're giving you tools is that, guess what? You're still going to struggle with stuff. Yeah. But now instead of taking a week or a day of you processing and going through that. I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that again? I can't believe it. All of a sudden now, we're giving you the tools to be able to say, yo, not only do I have a true foundation, I identify these lies, but also what my wife says, I reposition myself. Now I'm struggling with it for 10 minutes as opposed to 10 days. Yeah. Now I'm struggling with it for a few minutes as opposed to a few days because my mind is being transformed and my mind is being renewed. 
Now all of this comes together. How do you receive this? How do you actually do this? Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Yeah. I'm telling you this is a life scripture for me. This is something that I'll be sitting there looking you square in the face. And if I'm dealing with one of these lies or one of these issues, I will repeat this verse in my head. And I will tell God, God, my heart is open. Pour your spirit into me right now because I'm angry. Because I'm anxious. Because I'm defensive. Because I'm petty. Right now I need you to pour it. Watch what the Bible says. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given. Here's what that means. Take a little bit of your water. You're empty. You're empty. And you're hurting. And I mean, you're just like, yo, I feel like I just, anybody felt like that? Like you just don't got no strength to go on. It feels like everything's wrong. That the Holy Spirit, this is a promise. Remember the keys to the kingdom. We've been teaching y'all that. This is a key to the kingdom. That when you feel empty, that the Bible says, when you read Romans chapter five, that God will pour his love. He will pour his love into yes. your heart by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And he'll fill you up and he'll pour his heart right there by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you all of a sudden. And now you feel like empty and tired and defeated. And then how do you do that? It's spending time with God. Yeah. Why, why did I make such a big emphasis about this worship moment that just happened? Because this was a moment of getting filled up. Yes. Some of y'all probably walked in here empty. I, well, I, you have no idea the things that are going on in my mind and in my brain the moment that I wake up. It's like a hamster. That hamster on crack, bro. Yes. My brain. And there are moments that I could just like, yo, I'm pausing and I'm sitting here and I'm just like, Lord, pour your love into my heart. And I'm worshiping God. And all of a sudden I start getting filled up. You got to take time to spend with God. Of course you're going to doubt God. The less time you spend with him, the more you're going to doubt. Yeah. Me and my wife, I love her and I know she loves me. But if I find myself hanging out with my friends more and finding out that I'm doing work more and I'm so far away from her, after a while, I'm going to doubt that she loves me. And then I'm going to step into a season where I'm going to start thinking to myself, maybe I don't really love her. But, but the more that we spend time together and we, we hug, we can't have kids anymore, so we just practice. The more time that I spend, the more time that I can spend with her, the more that I'm like, yo, she she loves me, bro. Like, this is real. This isn't fake. The more the time that you spend with God and allow for him to pour his love in your heart, the more time that you spend with him in the morning. Stop running to Instagram, social media, TikTok. But if you actually take the time to carve it out, you can't do it in the morning. Do it in the afternoon. This little scrolling right here, this ain't going to take you anywhere. But if you spend some time with God and God, I need you to pour your heart into me. The first day is going to suck because you're not going to understand it. The second day is going to make no sense because you have no idea. But then after a while, something begins to happen. Watch what happens. John chapter 8 verses 31. Watch this. Verse 31 and 2. We, we misquote this scripture so much because we only take and the truth will set you free. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's where we live at. We know that. We could all quote that. Look what the Bible says. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide or if you hold on to my word, if you hold on to my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What we miss in this freaking verse right here it's not that the truth will set you free. That's great. It's the idea of 
if you hold, if you hold on, if you actually grab this thing and say, well, I'm going to spend more time with you than I am with my anxiety. I'm going to spend more time with you than I am with this person just bought another car. And I'm going to spend more time with you than seeing another lady's knees on the beach because they're on vacation with their family. I'm going to spend time with you. When you hold on to the truth and you begin to grab the Bible, we talked about it last Sunday. When you begin to actually grow the Bible, grab the Bible and start bringing it close to you and start believing the scriptures that are in it. You start holding this thing. Then you set free that's when you're set free the truth it only comes because you spend time with it and you hold on to it the first thing that we have to do is that we have to hold on to the truth if we hold on to the truth all of a sudden now we'll start believing the truth and the more you believe the truth the more the truth will start setting you free it's a whole scripture it's not just a piece if you want to be set free hold on to the truth for so many of us something that has happened in this season is um, in the midst of a pandemic I call it the porn-demic and I feel for so many people they've been struggling with their flesh and alcohol and drugs and pleasing people and performing for people and controlling people and it's just all of these things are the flesh the Bible is so clear and I don't know did I give you this verse Ramses I don't know if I gave you this verse found in, in Galatians but the Bible says that if I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's what this verse says. If I walk in the spirit, meaning that my entire day from the moment that I get up, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm learning who the spirit is. I'm growing with God. I'm spending time with him. The more that I fill myself up with God, the more that I fill myself up with God, the less that I'm filled up with my flesh. The less that I'm worried about what my lust wants what my body wants what pleases me because I'm being filled some of y'all want to learn how to break some of these demonic strongholds yeah. that the enemy has placed inside of you fill yourself up with the spirit fill yourself up with worships fill yourself up with prayer fill yourself up with the word it's hard for me to be filled with something when I'm already full yeah it's gonna bounce off of me fill yourself with the spirit walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh that's a verse that God has been using in my life for years now that the more that I feel like I'm leaning into him the harder it is for Satan to bring another thought or an accusation or lust these things they come for a second and then they come out because I'm filled yeah. my hope and my desire is you be filled but if I'm honest with you some of us feel like this empty cup and uh, we feel like a computer that the RAM is all jacked up and there's no more memory. And you try to hit enter or you try to go to a website and y'all get that wheel of the devil that just goes around and around. And you feel like this. And the first step that you need to do is that, number one, you just, you, you got to erase all the memories. You got to erase all the sin in your life. How do you erase the sin in your life? What, that's a delete button? What, what I got to do, Chino? I just got to, here it is. Y'all ready? Boom, men in black. You just erased it. <laughs> no, that's stupid. But can I tell you that it's real? That the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God. That there's a way inside of you that the Holy Spirit actually comes. That Jesus said that he would come. His death, burial, and resurrection is to take away the sins of this world. That today you can actually begin to pray. You can actually talk to God. And that in a split second, just like I turned on that little light, that your sins can be forgiven and that you can be emptied of all the bad memories. Listen to me. I'm not telling you 
realistically, you're going to think and you're going to process and you're going to have to do some work. But today, God can forgive you of all the sin in your life that your CPU, your RAM can begin to work and you can start processing things and doing things. But it takes a step. Yeah. It takes a step for each one of us. What's that step? Here at Greater Church, we say it every Sunday. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you pray and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Faith. That when you do those things, that you shall be saved. It's at that very moment that you shift your identity. No longer are you what you were in your past. No longer are you the mistakes that you made. But at that very moment, you become the child of God. You become a son and a daughter of the Most High. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media